Hello, welcome to the Magnificent Singer podcast. Today I've come into central London to meet singer Nadine Lee. Nadine is one of those singers who also manages to do other things very well too. Not only does she sing, she plays the drums, she plays the bass, she leads choirs, she writes songs, very good songs, and she also produces too. Don't let me forget that. I do music even when I'm not getting paid. It's not just about the money, it's about the the impact that I'm having on the world, you know. I mean, in my small little corner, how can I inspire, change? There's so much music in the world. And for you to have listened to my song, and for my song to have impacted you, do you know what I mean? It's that to me is quite huge. It's it's a lot. So it's for feelings. It's for things like that. I don't care if I don't have. I'm not the richest person in the world. But what I do care about is being able to have a legacy of things that people can touch and, or see or hear and be like, wow, that's changed my life. As usual, with these multi-hyphenate types, I'm curious to know how it all came about, and that's going to be my first question. I guess it all came from being inspired. I went to, um, as a child, my mum used to take me to church every Sunday, and it was a very Pentecostal church, so church where you clap, you dance, you sing, and you basically have a party every Sunday morning and sometimes in the evening (laughs) for two hours. (laughs) And someone preaches at the end, very inspirational. Um, What was cool about that is that there was always music and it was always live. And um, my cousin used to play and he was very inspirational. And so that's what made me decide I wanted to play drums because I loved what it looked like. And I know that's a really strange thing, but he looked like he was having such a good time that I wanted to do it too. <laughs> Sounds like a brilliant reason for doing it. Yeah, I mean, and so that's why I started playing because I just thought, I want to have some fun like that. And then I got older, I used to hang out with my cousin, started playing in church as well. Um, when you said playing, you were playing the drums. Drums was your first yeah, instrument. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So I was playing the drum kit. Um, and I learned by ear. I didn't have lessons on a drum kit. I was having piano lessons, so I had piano lessons and I did loads of that because my mom, one of my mom's dreams was to have one of her children play to her when she's old. I don't know if she qualifies as being old yet, but in my eyes, she's not. So, but I, I am playing to her now anyway. And um, from the age of about uh, four, five, six, I started playing. Yeah, that's where it all came from. Church was just so inspirational. So you're playing drums. The singing was just part of going to church. wasn't necessarily, I'm going to sing now. It's just something that you all did. Really um, was, yeah. Lucky, huh? Really <laughs> lucky. Um, and what about the bass? When did that come along? So um, in church, everyone wants to play drums for some reason, uh, especially the boys. It's probably not a girly thing to want to do, but hey. I, st- I picked up bass because there's so many drummers. So I thought maybe I should just try something else. And the only thing I could see giving me as much enjoyment was the bass because when I played with a bass player when I was playing drums, the relationship we had was so much fun mm-hmm. that I thought, okay, let me try the other side of this. And so that's what I did. I learned the major scale first on the bass and then um, the person who showed it to me said, right, go figure it out. And so that's exactly what I did. So before, I didn't have any lessons on the bass until I was about 20. So I had five years of just playing. And in that, that time, I, play, I played in loads of different places. 
But that was just because, again, in church, your learning process is a lot different to when you're in an educational institution. You kind of are given something and then left to be creative with it. And not left in a bad way, but, you know, you take it home and your ears do all the work rather than your your eyes looking at something and playing it back. And so that's what made me want to study because I wanted to be able to do both. So did you, you went to music college? Yeah, I went to music. But I didn't study music at GCSE and okay. um, A-level levels because in the community that I come from, which is Black Caribbean community, everyone wants you to be a doctor or a dentist. And Secure being jobs. a musician is just normal like that's part of what you grew up doing so that's not really anything special and I guess they just don't believe you could make money from it because they didn't know how or it's not part of the culture to do that and so I kind of had fought a few fights with my mum when I was at that age and then in the end because that was the first time I ever fought with my mum because I was pretty much a you know easygoing kid um but that was my first ever fight with my mum and it was horrible but what was great is that we came out on the other side and um, we talked, we hugged, and mum was like, you know what, if you're gonna do this, you need to do it properly. You need to be the best at what you do, and you need to be an entrepreneur. So yeah, we got to a point where, after I'd not decided not to be a um, computer networking analyst anymore, we got to the point where she was like, okay, if you're gonna do this, because I can see it in you, you just, you know, you really need to do this. So let's do it properly then get fully educated make sure you know what you're doing and um, then let's get this entrepreneur mindset how are you going to do this so at first I started working in retail and then I kept on getting sessions oh just like fill us in what a session is so a session is when someone calls you for a particular skill that you have and it's not a regular gig it's maybe just a one-off or a two if you're lucky depending on what it is they call you to do that thing so it could be singing playing drums whatever it is um and then they pay you after you've done it and then you go away <laughs> so you could be in a studio it could be a live gig it could be a live gig it's like you're going to do this well it's, you're not joining their band or their creative yeah you're not joining their band you're hired in for that specific reason to fulfill a need that they have that they can't do themselves session it could be studio it could be it could be a TV advert. It could be a singing for a pop artist. Anyone. It's just literally, I need this and I need to pay someone to do it. Can you do this? So I kept on getting a lot of that kind of work. Um, and it, at that time, uh, uh, one of my first sessions that I got was when I was 16. And um, I was asked to do P. Diddy. Um, he was doing this song. It goes, Lord, you mean the world to me. Before I was born, you chose me. I can't remember the rest of it, but it goes sort of like that. And um, it was being done at the MTV Awards in Dublin. And um, at that awards, that was one of the best days of my life. Can you imagine? Being 16 years old, I met Whitney Houston at that gig. I, I met Mariah Carey at that gig. Missy Elliott was there. I mean, everybody was there. And obviously well not obviously but one of my favorite singers is um Whitney Houston and because it was a gospel choir that was in the room and that's her roots so she came and found us in the room and she goes hey guys you know (laughs) she was really like and so that for me was very memorable and something that I'll never forget and um yeah so I kept on getting sessions like that you know different 
different artists like that like being whisked off to the mtv awards yeah i know it sounds strange (laughs) (laughs) but i I guess i was in the right place at the right time because my cousin was the one who got the call and then she said look they need another alto can you do it and i said yeah and so i did it and kept on getting work after that so who else have you played for um, I've worked with Katie Meloa, I've done Annie Lennox, Brian McFadden, Lamar, Terry Walker. M- more recently, I did Stormzy. What were you doing with him? That was the X Factor we did. And that was with the choir. I got the, the choir that I'm working with at LCCM um, to do that with me because they were looking for 60 singers and they wanted 10 session singers Mm -hmm. and then they wanted a choir that sings together regularly so I I had a friend who said look you've got a choir we know what they sound like can you your choir do it so I was like yeah no problem so I took the LCCM choir to do that and then after that they got just the 10 singers to do Jonathan Ross obviously because he doesn't have a stage that fits 60 people (laughs) and that was fun as well. And I've done lots of gospel artists as well, Americans and English artists as well. Yeah, I guess every opportunity you get, you never know what's going to come next. So you kind of just enjoy it to the fullest. You never know if you're going to get one again. <laughs> and that's the beauty of being a session musician. <laughs> so th- this might be my last one. Let's, let's enjoy it. Is that your... Yeah, I, I like to enjoy everything 100%. Mm. I don't care if it's a small audience or a big audience. No matter what the size, it's what you give and how it makes you feel. And if you can give that, then for me, that's like the epitome of my career. You know, it's like, yes. <laughs> you make it all sound so effortless. Um, th- there's that quote from someone, I forget who, I should look it up actually. It's something like, it's amazing how lucky I become the harder I work. So, you, you know, what's your thoughts on serendipity? And, and, you know, it's not like these jobs have an ad. There's not like a board up anywhere. No, so. there isn't seen as we're quoting there's a man called Miles Monroe who um, I listen to quite a lot and what he says is if you make yourself valuable then people will want to pay for you you won't even have to look for the work and that for me is quite the most true thing that anyone could say because every job I've got at the moment I didn't interview for it I've been approached and I think that's because I've re- I, I have a passion for what I'm doing and I put everything that I've got into it and I feel really, like, cheated if I don't. and Or I feel like I'm cheating the person that I'm... Or the audience. So I like to put 100% into what I'm doing. And I guess as a result of that, I've been really lucky to be able to constantly work since I left uni. I haven't not worked in music since I, since I left. In fact, I started working in music before I went to uni. And I'm a bit older now (laughs) and it's been a long time that I've survived and I've got a mortgage I've got a house I've got a husband I've got children but like I said I guess I love what I do and I love my family and so everything that I put 100% into it and if I do that then I kind of get the results that I need if you know what I mean yeah yeah so it's not just all about your music knowledge and you know your technical skill no totally not I mean Obviously, I mean, that goes without saying that, like I said, making yourself valuable is partly being skilled, is partly knowing your craft. Um, But also being valuable means one of the places that I went to, a friend recommended me for a gig at the Globe Theatre and um, they needed a female 
So I'm, I'm quite niche because they needed a female who could play bass and percussion mm. and maybe sing. And so he mentioned me. So I went to meet this guy. His name's Teo. And he said, when he met me, that was it. He said, yeah, no, you're, he, he liked my vibe. He liked my attitude and my positivity. And um, he said, yeah, we're going to have a great time doing this. It's because it's, you know, obviously it's a stint at the Globe. So you want to be able to hang with nice people. And he's a very relaxed MD. So having someone who's not relaxed would probably just taint his vibe. totally. So I guess I was ideal. I mean, he said he he didn't think he was going to find a girl with all of those things. And he did. And, and also so, be nice to work with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, we can be hormonal as women, as you know. <laughs> and guys are always scared of that. <laughs> it's not about problems. It's not about pain. Keep your eyes on your focus. Then just do it again. Oh, it's not about problems. It's not about pain. Keep your eyes on your focus. little bit into actually what you do because you you play three things I mean you probably play loads of other stuff that you don't even mention but you're also very heavily involved in the creation of music uh, songwriting production I'm guessing yeah the MDing of bands but your first call was to the rhythm side of things I always think of a bass as being like another another drum kit really with yeah. the, the addition of pitch but then of course you sing as well and with the drums and the bass you're really firmly at the back of the band and unless you've actually been at the back of the band you don't really know what that what a different experience that is from being at the front of the band with the singer the singer you get all the audience attention which you have to deal with you're dealing with lines and communication all this kind of stuff at the back you you stay in the same place pretty much you're dealing with the groove and you're doing things with your hands what, what is it about what do you get from singing okay so singing for me is Um, my voice it's my way of saying something where people listen and they don't they 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 hear you when I was a child I I'm the last of five wow (laughs) and um what's quite interesting about me being the last of five is that I was always the one who everyone would be like okay yeah yeah don't worry well we'll you know, we'll, 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 yeah, that's fine. You're, you're fine. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, you, you, you don't necessarily always feel like you get listened to. You're kind of like just brushed off all the time. We've done uh, this four times already. We've got it. We've yeah, got it yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the worst thing is you're brushed off by six people at this point because you're the last. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, 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 I was pretty quiet anyway. And so, um, being at the back of the band, like you say, with drums, was sort of drums with my voice um, because I guess my personality at that point probably didn't match my gift as in how loud it was. <laughs> but then when you think about how loud or how deep I am, it was my way of giving my passion to people um, from a place where they might not necessarily know it's me. Yeah, so you're expressing yourself through drums because drums can be pretty loud, pretty dominant. It can you be, can't when I play now. them, they are loud. <laughs> <laughs> I guess with singing, that helped me to articulate the passions that I have in a different way. I was able to speak to people or 
speak about my demons or even my great situations in my life. And people could relate to, feel, learn from, hold on to. I remember I had a friend who, at the time I was pregnant with my second child, and I'd written a song maybe a year or so earlier, and we'd sung it. I'd written it for like a a group of children who were performing at the Royal Festival Hall. And um, she was one of the people who were around. And um, at the time, we were both pregnant at the same time. Mm. She, uh, unfortunately, she lost her baby. And um, what was interesting was she called or she asked the person who was in charge for me because she wanted that song to be sung at her baby's funeral. And for me, that was a, that was a very pinnacle time of my life. And it showed me what my songwriting could do to people in church you know like I said I grew up in church in church you expect things you know because people are looking for something to feel from from God whereas when you just put your music out there you don't know how people are going to react to it and so for me that was one of the most deep things because losing a child is probably one of the worst things that can ever happen to somebody and that was her comfort so can you imagine how that made me feel? I was scared as well, you know, and I was pregnant at the time, so I was very nervous about it. But I had to do it because it was very important. And I think she needed to hear it from me because it was my my passion that got her there in the first place. And so we did it. And again, that that moment is where music came alive. And it was more than just what I'd learned in college or a melody or how, where I've put this chord and placed that drum. It was more about someone is being able to live another day because of what I'd written. And that was, that was, you know, that's it for me. Do you know what I mean? You can give me a million pounds. It wouldn't mean the same thing. So that's where it comes from. Lucky, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very lucky place to be. So the voice represents something different. You're expressing yourself in a different way. Um, yeah. But perhaps uh, can we flip that on its head? Are, are there some advantages or something that you've got because you're a drummer and a bass player? Yes, I do think I, I have... Well, in my opinion, I have advantages. <laughs> the, people, <laughs> the people I'm working with might not think that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like I said, when I've... Um, when I'm working with people, whether I'm singing my own stuff or somebody else's stuff, I guess when I'm singing, my instruments to listen to the most are keyboard and guitar. In fact, guitar is one of my favourite instruments. I don't play mm. guitar, especially the sound of an acoustic guitar. But the chord changes, the movements, the feelings are very important to me. And so being able to communicate that is something that is vital for me and so again like I said it's great for me because I can you know I can talk to you or I can talk to the drummer and say what I want here when I want it how I want it what kind of dynamic I need because again in a song it's not just about singing a melody it's about understanding what you've sung and then delivering that feeling rather than delivering hey this really clever your head cool knowledge thing. your yes, theory exactly. um and so I'm like okay Let's do this. How do we feel this? How are you fingering that chord? Can you play this note at this point? And so, <laughs> you know, again, I mean, some people find it cool and some people are just scared. <laughs> but I'm not, well, I, uh, 
<laughs> how am I, I going to say this about myself? But I don't find myself to be overly intimidating. I like it to be something that we've done together, that we've created, so everyone feels it. Because for me, if you're playing and you don't feel what you're playing, then it's, it's just a pointless exercise because your message doesn't get put across. You might as well just be filling in attacks. Exactly. Exactly. You know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know, I can play that chord. I'm great. I'll go home. It's not fulfilling. Whereas when you've given something of yourself, it's a lot more fulfilling. And for me, when I'm teaching, I usually say to my students, if you can make a man cry, especially when I'm teaching kids, I go, if your dad cries... You're on to a winner. <laughs> and I, I, especially when, you know, with children, that, there's that peak where they hit a really high note and it's innocent and it's beautiful. I go, your dad will cry at that point. I guarantee it. I did that with a child at a school uh, in Freezy Water in Enfield when I was teaching there. And at the end of the concert, this child came up to me with her, with her parents and she goes, Miss, I did it. Okay. I made my parent cry. And I was like, fantastic, where's your mom? Oh, let's give her a hug. She goes, it wasn't my mom, it was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was a high five, you know, because it's like, you know, so, so for me, it's all about making people understand that it's not just a song or a melody, it's a feeling. It's, it's how you give somebody what you're saying, you know, it's like serving food, I guess. <laughs> wow, that was a big, yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> My brain wasn't there at all. (laughs) Fathers of London, beware. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to make you all cry. I was watching a video of you live gig and you were fronting the band you were you were singing lead but you also have I think a snare set up on the stage and there's this really big rhythm feature and you're bashing the hell out of it so you've got three things going and that's a good example of you doing bringing two of them together do you ever mix and match do you play bass and sing well see I'm it's the hard one yeah I've tried mixing and matching bass and singing and um, I'm working on that at the moment because I think that's where I think that's my weakness because I like I love playing bass and I love singing and playing a complicated bass line and singing a technical song <laughs> can be quite <laughs> difficult. A challenge. <laughs> yeah, a big challenge. So that's something I'm working on. Um, drums and singing, absolutely no problem. I've actually tried bass. And kick drum and hi hat and wow. I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Quite cool actually. I've been doing that for a long time. But on my gig, because I'm I'm doing my own project called Finally Nadine. And when I perform on that gig, I use I have a setup of an acoustic bass um, and a parts of an acoustic drum kit and a few percussive bits. And um, 
my band is a, a representation of my life. So for instance, I have a female drummer who represents me. So in my project, you're always going to see a female drummer unless I really can't find one that I like how they play. So, and she represents me being the only one amongst a load of men. Hmm. Um, and that's been my life story because I play drums. So I, when I was younger, in every band, I was mostly the only female. If you ask my mum right now how many boyfriends I've had, <laughs> she will... This is a different <laughs> podcast, can I just say? <laughs> she will tell you oh. that Nadine had loads of boyfriends, but nobody special. So when I finally did meet my husband, she oh. was like, oh, what's special about him? You know, <laughs> like, because I had, I just, all my friends when I was younger were mostly men or not men. They were boys at that time because I was a girl. Um, still am a girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the band is represented, um, the female is represented in that way. And then I've got like the rhythm section and I play most of those instruments. So I've got, all the guys playing those and my husband's always all uh, he's represented in there as well so I've got like a horn section because he introduced me to that part of my life where um because when I went to uni at drum tech I we we had you know I'd seen loads of horn sections you've seen people playing and go to gigs and that but I'd never really played with a huge horn section before so when I met my husband that was his passion he's a saxophonist Mm -hmm. and so I got into that whole like understanding what instruments where, why this instrument is there, blah, 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 blah. And so that's why that's in my band. And then, so what I tend to do is there's a song called Special that I play. And in that song called Special, there's a section where there are a few solos in that song, but the first solo is myself and that female drummer where we just go for it. And at that point, because I, I do, I, I'm not a feminist or anything like that. But the girl power point of my set at that point is quite important to me because it's, I guess, growing up, females tend to get ignored or almost patronised if you're playing, in quotes, male-dominated instrument or and you're in a male-dominated field. And so, you know, without knowing it, a lot of guys would be like, oh, or you get, you know, different comments about whatever. That's fine, I mean men will be men and that's who they are but for me it was it's about me not proving anything but just being able to do it is a thing and being able to deliver in the way that I want to deliver is very important and to impact those same people that are like oh because instead of saying ah they say wow (laughs) (laughs) and then that for me is like yeah, we did this. We we've we've we're doing this for every woman that is out there struggling to actually be heard. Yeah, it's really important to have role models. I think um, absolutely. I don't want to imagine when you were growing up, there weren't that many. There was who was there was a Sheila E was that's right. Yeah, somebody who I I mean I still really admire, and in fact I kind of got my idea of having a you know she almost made me feel like it was all right to have a drum kit at the front of the stage yeah um because that's what she does she has more timbales though and but i kind of just put my twist on it so do you think you had any advantages in because your career seemed to take off quite quickly from what you're saying quite a young age yeah i always got noticed everybody would always remember me because i'm female and I'm playing drums and you could play as and well and i could play more importantly yeah exactly so they're like 
do you know Nadine? And everywhere I go, people say, do you know Nadine? Yeah, Nadine's been playing for ages. Do you know Nadine? It's like everybody knows who you are in, in whatever environment that you start to associate yourself with. It's like, like I said, the church environment I was in, everybody knows. When I've taught, people know. When I do, when I'm doing theatre work, everyone knows. Everyone's like, you know, your name always gets mentioned because there's not many of you. Do you see what I mean? And because there's not many of you, it's like cuts down the whole competition that, that all the guys have <laughs> i guess so but that, that visibility only really works if in your favor if you can actually play otherwise well yeah this is it i mean everyone also remembers a bad experience and because you're on show like i've had situations where people just stop and stare and um just you're not sure whether they think it's all right or not you just they're just staring or i've had gigs where all the guys who are musicians come and just crowd around and watch. And that's really intimidating because you're like, do I use this situation to just thrash and do loads of mistakes? Or do I just continue to keep my head clear and play what I'm supposed to play? You know, you kind of have all these arguments going on in your head and then you almost forget the song because... (laughs) (laughs) But like I said, I have never looked at being a female as a disadvantage. I've looked at it more as an opportunity to just be different. I like being different. It took me a while to get to that stage in my life where, you know, because I I had loads of insecurities growing up. But now I'm at that stage of my life where, look, I like what I do. I get to do what I do. And if people don't like it, I'm, I'm sorry for you. I'm not sorry about it, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. But... I'm just going to be me. <laughs> your hair, your smile, undeniable. Your mind, your words, uncontainable. These words, to me, unbelievable. Till I realize that I'm special. Check me, no things, all that and more. Not what I see that's all been done before. Okay, let me ask you some specific questions. How do you keep developing? I mean, you can obviously play. Do you still practice? Absolutely. Oh, her face <laughs> there, you should have seen it. It was a horror. <laughs> the thought of not practicing. Yeah, practicing is vital. Um, I guess because I play more than one instrument. Like, I used to take my voice for granted, so... I think that's quite common, isn't it? Yeah. So I kind of just... I can do that. And so I got to a stage where I was just, I was probably singing all the same things all the time in every song. So that was bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then I went through a stage in my life I was doing so much work, I didn't have time to practice as much. And I'm now at that stage where I put it in my timetable. So I still have a busy life, but I have to practice. And one of the things that I did, because I, I, when I was at uni, I studied drums and percussion. So bass guitar for me was something I picked up and I didn't learn all the you know proper techniques, this, that, blah, 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 blah. So what I do is I do, um, started doing my grades on my guitar, my bass guitar, just, just because I could, it's not expensive. So I just started doing, just to get my, you know, all the right finger in, you know, all that. It gave me a focus and so I thought. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I love practicing drums. I always find something new to do and you can never get too fast or too slow, so. And what's your uh, work getting strategy and how has that changed over the years? Okay, the only strategy I've ever had was to, okay, actually, to begin with, I didn't have a strategy. I just wanted to get good and that sold me. So when people saw me play, it was very much word of mouth and things like that and just making sure you knew all the right people. In later life, um, in addition to those things, now you've got like websites, you've got um, social media, you've got um, just hanging out with people, going to clubs, bars, open mics, um, traveling. um. Traveling, what do you mean by traveling? Well, so I started doing, um, because I've got family in America, so I started doing annual trips to America and scout going around and singing in the different places and making a name for myself in some of these venues so that they start to remember who you are when you come up and you sing and you perform um and then trying to get gigs over there and and working it like that and so I've done that quite a lot and it's been really 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 great because then people start to remember you and they take you even more so than when you're in England because in England you're the same as everyone else Hmm. whereas in America or any other place you go, especially Americans, because they just love an English accent. And so the minute I talk, like as soon as I go on stage and I say, hi, everyone, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like straight away, you've won their hearts. You haven't even sung a note yet. So it doesn't matter if I'm rubbish. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so that, that's been really, really like another way to get work and I do that when I'm I have downtime I try to have downtime in the summer because I've got children so I try to have as much downtime as I do festivals I do a little bit of work uh so I'm more picky about what I do in the summer just because of my work family life oh that was going to be um my next question what's your work policy do you have yes pleases no thank yous and absolutely I like to do things if I'm gonna do something I like it to be something that is going to leave an impact on somebody I don't like doing things that are really outrageously horrible and when I say horrible I mean negative things that like for instance you know you've got people who are just on um, a mission to be able to bring people down and and say things in their music that are derogative or rude or just things that are so negative, I, I, I don't endorse those at all. 
um, because for me it just poisons your mind. I mean, I'm, I don't swear at all. And being on one of the gigs that I did last year called Junk, uh, Junkyard, I was a drummer for that show. And there's a hell lot of a load of swearing. And it's interesting because you listen to everything that everyone's saying. Because you're listening to stuff, you go home and you're like, the things just will try to come off the tip of your tongue. And so the, the influence of like, if that, and that's just, you know, that's just swearing. That's not a big deal. But like, imagine then if you're working with somebody who's really negative, how that actually starts to infiltrate and get inside you and you start acting that out and so I'm like nah I'm really fussy as long as it's as long as it's like um positive enough you know I'm not saying everything has to be a hundred percent you know happy I'm not saying that but I like a story I like something with meaning I like something that I can take away and I can say to my kids I'm proud I've done that Whereas if I'm not proud, you know, how can I be teaching my kids to be proud of themselves? And I'm like, totally not proud of what I've just done. So as long as I'm proud of it, I'll do it. Uh, that's really, I think stuff like that's really important because we get us to do so many things and it could be a really small project. You just think, oh, I'll just do that. Yeah. And actually say if it's quite toxic, uh, it's, yeah. it's very hard to not be consumed by that, even in a really small way. It really is. And you, and you think, you know, you're strong enough to handle it. Well, I don't do that. But you're surrounded by it, like, for hours on end. So you're bound to take some of it away. It's, you know, I mean, like, now, right now, if you if you said a sentence that was in the play that I'm playing, I'd be, I'd be getting ready to play a cue. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's just like that, you know. I've, I've had it, you know, someone will say, uh, I can't think of the cue. Because my daughter said something at the weekend and it made me think, where am I? Do you know what <laughs> I mean? So... <laughs> So again, it's really important that, you know, for me to whatever I'm putting inside, I don't mind it coming out. That's such a good observation. The freedom of being self-employed does mean that we, we get to choose, but we, it's important to choose wisely. Because yeah. it's human, isn't it, to want to sort of, when you're in a crowd of people, to want to be doing what everybody else does. That's yeah. how we survive, isn't it? Yeah. I am a you in music what keeps me yeah oh what keeps me in music what inspires me to stay in music yeah why 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 haven't right, you given okay. up and gone on to be a tax and what, yeah. do you remember what you want to do um i do music even when i'm not getting paid yeah. i do you know what i mean it's yes. it's not it's not just about the money it's about like i said the feeling what the the impact that i'm having on the world you know i mean in my small little corner how can i inspire change that's and that's again that's why i like teaching so i guess what keeps me in music is the feeling that i get when people respond to it because when they respond again like that story with the lady or even when i'm teaching the choir at lccm or when i've written a song and someone from across the pond says that hit me you know people there's so much 
music in the world and for you to have listened to my song and for my song to have impacted you do you know what I mean it's that to me is quite huge it's 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 a lot so it's for feelings it's for things like that like I said I don't care if I don't have I'm not the richest person in the world but what I do care about is being able to have a legacy of things that people can touch and or see or hear and be like wow that's changed my life how do you balance music with other things you have three children well i prayed and asked for octopus arms (laughs) (laughs) that would help you play as well an amazing thing well i'd be really 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 good if i got it down you know the coordination and independence wow Yeah, so I actually might, no. <laughs> is, is there a cartoon octopus that plays drums? I've got a really strong image in my mind. There must be. Yeah, of course. I mean, that would be amazing. We should try. But it hasn't happened. Not yet. Sorry to break that to you. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, so, um, well, like I said, I'm married with three kids. They're all in school, except my husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my husband's a musician as well, and we're both... Um, touring musicians so yeah that means that we can um we have a very hectic organized exciting (laughs) schedule chaotic (laughs) yeah borderline chaotic (laughs) Um, but but we also do have quite a good family network as well so that helps our mums and my father-in-law and my sisters and um, brother-in-laws and all that tend to get involved quite a bit we love family so we spend a lot of time with family all the time so that that works out for us and like I said we choose what we do and because we're self-employed we get the opportunities to like not take work in the half term or if we do get work one of us is off and one of us is on but if you're going to get married when you're a musician make sure <laughs> that you marry someone who understands what you do even if they're not a musician I'm lucky because my husband is a musician but you need to decide what you want from your relationship because if you're a pretty clingy person marrying a musician is probably not the best (laughs) solution for you no matter what you think he could be fit or she could be really amazing but uh, that will only last until the real life sets in because real life is important and so we're very real. Um, we decide, we talk about how we want things to go. And sometimes that changes. But ultimately, you have to decide whether you re- what you want from life. And that's how we get it. Um, so, yeah, the work-life balance is important. Everybody in our house has something they want to do. And we try to make sure that it can happen. Simple. Well, sounds simple. Complicated <laughs> underneath. Very complicated. <laughs> uh, and do you have a favourite or a go-to piece of kit or an instrument gosh well actually yes and this is probably going to be a strange piece of kit but it's my ipad because on my ipad i have garage band i have a sound card so i can write songs i have loop community prime where i put all my stems if i'm gonna have like backing tracks so what's a stem for this? right yeah so a stem is a when you're recording what what you then do when you finished recording is bounce and that turns it into an audio file and that audio file we call a stem you can play all your stems as backing tracks so i can then 
once I've recorded everything, I can bounce it down and put them all on my iPad and play it as a backing track. So if I want, if I got a drummer and I haven't got a bass player, then I can turn the bass player on and take the drums off. And that's really useful because then I can go places and only have half a band or maybe just a drummer or just a keyboard player. So anyway, that's why it's a cool. My iPad is my cool piece of kit because I have everything that I need on there. So I, I don't go anywhere without it. But instrument wise, um, it's always going to be my snare, my smallest snare drum, which is I. It's actually got a name. I call it Virtue because Virtue means power. What is it? It's a ten-inch Sopranino um, pearl snare drum. Serves me right for asking. <laughs> So it's perhaps fair to say you spent the early part of your career working as a sidewoman on other people's projects. I know you've done some joint collaborations as well, but latterly you've been you've branched out and you've launched yourself as an independent artist working on your own project, which you mentioned a bit earlier. Yeah. So I'm doing, um, like you said, I've spent most of my career um, working with and playing with other people. And I got to a point where I wanted to tell my own story, my own way, without the influence of anybody saying what I can, can't, all the restrictions that come with that kind of thing. Not that, I mean, I love working with people, so I don't want to be on my own for the rest of my life. But I just needed to be able to tell my story. And so this project is me telling my own story uh, from my own my own point of view of how I grew up, things that I did. Um, I, there are five songs on, on it and one talks about the relationship that I had with my dad, the rejections that I felt, the feelings that I had. One talks about me not really realising how special I was. One is about being focused and um, finding that formula of life, what it actually is. One's about falling in love, um, what is called Contagious Love. And again, in that song, I mean, the title, even hearing Contagious makes me think of the rhythm and the feeling and the beat behind it. And then you've got one that just says, I feel better now, you know, everything. Everything just feels so much better now. And so, um, and those songs came from so many different places and so many different feelings that I had and I feel like I haven't even told my whole story so this is part one of my story and I'll probably keep writing my story because there will be always things that I've missed out but this is my first initial attempt at making people understand who I am and so the project's called Finally Nadine I've been um, going over this um, and trying to decide how what 
who I I got you Liz to come and um, help me with this and a few other guys that came and just kind of give me their input into my project because I feel like it's very important to work with people especially when you're doing your own project because the sound of your own voice is it's a bit like I don't know if, if you've ever recorded yourself you think you sound one way and then when, when you listen to it you sound a totally different way. That's uh, so funny. And the biggest complaints they get have when they record themselves. Exactly. That's not me. Exactly. And so I like to do that and like to get other people to hear me back as well. Because <laughs> then, I, then I get a true reflection of what is going out there. And so, yeah, it's, it's basically me finally being myself, finally being the woman that I want to be, finally accepting who I am, finally not caring about what anyone else wants to say finally just being Nadine <laughs> and in this new role this uh what would you call it well multi multi-fascinated role uh, we're back to be the octopus again you're the artist you're the creative director you're the band leader yeah singer yeah bass player yeah drummer yeah arranger yeah songwriter yeah producer yeah Uh, (laughs) well it must be lovely to have complete creative control was there anything that came up that you didn't actually anticipate with this freedom because you're used to working for other people ah yeah money (laughs) (laughs) um i guess i was just concentrating on being creative but i mean the entrepreneurial side of things is always i guess being a musician is probably always the worst part because it's not my comfort area. So yeah, getting people involved for that and, you know, figuring out how you want to do things and what you want to say, when you want to say it. Oh, oh, I need a photo shoot. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll do that. (laughs) You know, you're like, Oh, can't I just give you the music guys? (laughs) You know? So I guess that's the, that's the hardest part for me. Uh, Marketing and PR, all that stuff. But uh, perhaps also the flip side of that is all these years, this experience that you've gained. In some ways, that's kind of been like your apprenticeship, really, being on the road, touring, yeah. working. And it's not just the music, is it? It's as in where do things go and which beat of the bar do I play and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's yeah. learning how to work with people, like you were saying earlier, learning how the music business actually functions yeah. and how it's changed. So perhaps... All this, all these years of training, working for other people. Yeah, it has. It's given, it's given me um, a lot of insight into what really happens. Because when you're at college and studying things, I mean, they, you, you have a theoretical view on what happens and almost like an idealist way of looking at things. But it's not until you actually realize that people don't do what is ideal. And so humans do the thing that you're not, expecting them to do I mean you can look at it as in like when you have a baby you you know you want this baby to do one thing but the baby's not doing that and that's exactly how we are as humans we're just bigger versions of babies um so you can't really um you know look at something when you're studying and say right that's how it's going to go you have to get out there and see things and and experience different things and a lot of I I, I never understand when a lot of musicians say they don't want to work with people because you're a musician and so what you do comes out and the only way you're successful is if people hear it Um, so you kind of have to understand what networking is what communication is how to get your music out there what, what are the latest platforms 
do the decisions like do I print a thousand CDs or do I print 10 and how much they cost and blah, 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 blah. Things like that are really things that you need to think about. And do I print CDs because everything's on MP3 and, and if I, and am I going to even get enough gigs to sell all these CDs? Um, so, you know, you, and, and who's going to create my tour for me and am I going to tour and how much does it cost? And do I need, um, do I need to pay anyone to do anything? Or oh, a sound engineer? Why do I need a sound engineer? Oh my God. There's so many questions that come up in different scenarios that the only way that you can really see it is by allowing it to happen or going to see how it actually works. And some, in some cases, you never know what's going to happen until you actually do it yourself. Nadine Lee, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to spend the last hour with you. Thank you very much for your generosity. We're going to close with one of your tracks now, but uh, check out Nadine Lee at... www.nadineleemusic.com Get better Believe in myself 